everybody. Welcome to Thumbnail, a visual arts podcast. I'm Joe Rochert, illustrator, animator, and adjunct professor. And I'm Louis Rosignol, visual artist. And today we're going to be doing an interview with an artist from Portugal. We've been wanting to talk about digital art. Some of our podcasts before we've mentioned it because both Joe and I do some digital work. But we thought it would be a good idea to have someone on that almost exclusively works digitally so we could talk about the subject. And so the artist that we have on is Diogo. Lendo, I hope I pronounced that right, yes. and he's from Portugal. Hello. Okay, good. And so we're thrilled to have you. Can you tell us a little bit about how long you've been doing work and how you got started doing digital work? Okay, so I've been working with digital for a very, very long time because when I was a teenager, I, I the, the digital cameras were starting to appear in the market and I got one digital camera and I started working with photography and then I started working with the old version of Photoshop. At the time, I was also drawing and painting. This is was high school time. From there, I went to study um, art and communication. It was uh, a degree on uh, design, uh, cinema and photography, the combination of the three areas. And I think that reflect that is still reflected in my artwork today because I usually combine a lot of different elements in my artwork. And I started uh, doing the design. Then I was going with my paintings and mixture in design and mixture in photography. I did also uh, photography uh, in laboratory. So I experimented a lot of process and started combine different elements into a different visual than the standard, the painting or the simple photography. And I arrived here. I, in the meantime, I had a long career in designing books and doing a lot of uh, things related to design and creative. And more recently, I am working as an artist, going through galleries and exhibitions and showing my artwork. That's great. Nice. So the cool thing about your work is you're able to combine the photography that you love to do with your drawing and your painting. And it's so seamless when you're working digitally, where traditionally it can be a little bit more hard to combine those things in a way that is as impressive as some of the works that you're doing. Is that what you found? Is that why you decided to combine them in a digital manner? Yeah, at the time. As I said, I was painting and I was doing photography and trying to doing collage and combining elements. Um, at one point, I decided that the result that I was really liking to get was the digital, and I stopped with the painting. Uh, sometimes I, I intervene in, in an artwork uh, by hand, doing some drawings on it or something, but mostly it's digital. And it's because of the freedom that allows me to work through different layers. My artwork is composed, I, I, I create based on heading layers, usually heading layers. Um, when you are looking into, for example, a face, you can, if you look deep enough, you will see different textures, sometimes another image behind the face that is not so preeminent in the first look. So this is very hard to achieve in painting, in traditional painting. Although it's possible, and I know a few artists who are able to do it. It's a different result. I like my artwork. One thing that I like in my artwork is that many people cannot understand if it's digital, if it's painted, if it's painted in digital. They don't understand well the medium because it's a bit new, right. and it has a lot of different elements and textures. I think that's what makes it so strong, too, though, is they look like paintings. They look like they could be any of those things that you just said. 
they look like they could be a painting. They look like they could be a digital painting. But the fact that you combine all three, it has a deeper narrative to it, I think. The thing that I feel about using elements, for example, from brushes and combining all these characters, it's because it provides you a kind of freedom that it's not usually seen we are very formatted for what a portrait uh, is and even if it's an abstract we are looking for the the brushes the brush marks and uh, with this i am completely free i can improvise and although it has the ability to go one step back which is nice it has also the problem that when should i make myself stop from heading, from removing, because a digital artwork can be worked through months and months. It's uh, in the computer, we can have multiple files on it, so it's complicated in one way, it's, uh, there are pros and cons, but I like the challenge of working in this combination of the elements. I think you do it really well. So what I want to talk about first, and I'm curious about, because as an illustrator, I feel like I'm a half illustrator, half fine artist, as an illustrator, you can do digital work all you want because a lot of times your work is just going to end up being printed in a magazine or a book. It doesn't matter. It's just being reproduced, right? But as a fine artist, I know when I was doing a lot of digital work and posting it, I get people that would say, can I buy the original? And I'd have to tell them there is no original. It's a digital work. They didn't know that. So it's a little bit more challenging with fine art because a lot of people maybe haven't accepted digital work as fine art, they don't understand how it works. So can you talk about how you manage that, how you sell originals with digital work? Yeah, it's a challenge. It's a new media. This digital art, it's new for everyone. It started to be more used in illustration for all the commercial reasons. It's much easier to send a, an artwork for a print in magazines uh, for a publish. In the fine art world, it's uh, something recent. I would say like uh, 10 years is it's nothing. I believe photography has the exact same uh, problem when it appears because one part of the art world, the artists were rejecting it, the public were not used to it, so it was also rejected. And it takes time people to start liking it, people to talking about it as a, an art medium. And it's now giving the first steps. You, you can already find some galleries that uh, are showing digital artists and assuming it as a fine art. But it's a problem that I'm confronted uh, many times. Usually my works are produced, it's uh, one original. So when someone asks me, can I buy the original? Yes, you can. This work, it's the original because I do one print. Better saying, I do two prints. I do one artist proof because I always uh, like to see if the colors are correct. If they are not, they, they need to, to be calibrated. And then I do the original. So usually I have two versions of the same artwork. But the final one, the one that I consider that is spotless, that is perfect, it's the original. This uh, allows me and I provide a certificate of authenticity and this puts my digital artwork in the same level as any fine photography. Because in photography you have a limit, to, you can sell one original photography, I think it's seven times. You can have seven copies and they are still considered originals. 
So it's a matter of the artist to say it's one, it's two, it's seven. And that's what I do. And I'm trying to find galleries that are open to this new media. Usually galleries that also have clients that like new and different things coming out in the market. So it's a challenge that I'm facing every day. But I think the paradigm is shifting. I think you're right. I think it's definitely starting to shift, which is good for artists like yourselves. So when you do the originals and you give them the certificate of authenticity, is it kind of a promise that you're not going to ever reprint it in the future and sell? You know what I mean? Yes. Basically, it's that. For example, I sell one original. I still have the rights to publish it as a book cover or publish it in a, in a magazine or in a catalog. But uh, I will not produce it and sell it as the, an artwork uh, again. As any other artist, I can do, for example, a limited edition. For example, smaller size or paper. But it has to be a different thing than the original. At the time, I am avoiding the, the limited editions because I know... A lot of people, it's a bit confusing. You have one original and then you have a limited edition. It's all digital. So at the time, I'm just going with the original work. But it's possible to go to a limited edition. It's like a painter that has the painting, the oil painting, and then he does a limited edition of 10 or 20 or whatever. So it's the same model for digital art. But at a time, I am just uh, providing the, the original work, yes. Nice. So the certificate of authenticity, is that just a regular template that anyone could find? Or how is that authenticated? Okay, you have quite a few uh, certificates online that you can see. You can uh, Usually I like to create all my stuff. I, it's created by myself. It's also my background in design. So my certificates, they have my design. They have a stamp that is not printed, it's a stamp because it has its own marks and its own process of going into the paper. Only I have the stamp. And then I signed it by hand and I write on it by hand. So the description of the artwork, the title, the size, everything, it's uh, written uh, by myself. That makes sense. Yeah, then the certificate is laminated. My agent usually says the value of the digital work, it's divided between the artwork that you have and the certificate. Because let's say you have the certificate, you are the owner, you buy the artwork, but you had a problem in your house, a fire or something, and the work disappeared. They can contact the artists if they have the certificate, if it's everything correct, and they can produce a second time for the client. It's uh, the same client that bought the original. I heard cases from friends, uh, particularly a, a photographer, that um, he not only sells the original, what he calls the original, he provides the file to the client. The original file, the raw or JPEG file. The idea here is that the client can print it a hundred times. Only one print is the original, and it's the one that is followed by the certificate. Right, right. That's the importance of the certificate in photography and digital artwork. So right now you're not doing prints. Do you ever have any artworks that you just do prints of, or are you just doing pretty much originals right now? Right now I'm only doing originals. I still have a few prints. I think they are not even available online, but I still have a few prints from a few years ago when I was just creating artwork 
basically for myself. I was not exhibiting, I was not showing it uh, constantly, but I was still producing and from time to time I did a, a limited edition and uh, sell a couple to a friends or show them in a, a local gallery or something. So I have a couple of those limited editions um, with me in my studio, but uh, right now I'm only producing uh, original artwork. Can we talk about the printing process and how you do those? Because a lot of people, when they think of a digital piece of work and you print it out, you may print it on like a fine paper, but you've done prints on metal and you showed us a light box. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about those? Yes. Uh, usually I, I try to find the best uh, way to print it, to produce the artwork for the artwork. For example, I had a, a collection uh, last year. I had my solo show in Porto and uh, I, the entire collection was created in light boxes. So yep. it was made in acrylic. It was an acrylic uh, panel printed in acrylic and then it was framed in a large frame and it had LED lights inside so the artwork could be seen with lights off. You can see it in Instagram or in my website but then you can also turn the artwork on and the lights would bring some textures to the front and most of those works were in black and white and the light transformed the color to a sepia tone. Mm -hmm. So it completely changed the artwork. And for example, some of those artworks were very large and uh, if you put them in a living room, it can be a, a presence light. It's not enough to lighten up the, a room, but it works wonderful as a present light uh, just to, to create a mood. Yeah, usually I try to research and to adapt to which, which series, which uh, look I am going through. Right now I'm doing some prints in um, debound aluminium, which it's uh, solid, but uh, it's also not very heavy and uh, allows me to work in a large format. It's the printing type. It works very well with uh, the aluminium. But for any product, any source material, I have to find the correct type of printing because it can be like print C, it can be a digital print uh, in inkjet, it can be like uh, printed from analog process, like it was photography. So I always do some research to find the best way to get what I want to see in the final work because it's one thing to look at it in the screen and then the heat factor has to be in the work itself, that the object that goes to the wall. So these printers you're talking about, are they always someone else or are they yourself? No, usually they are someone else. I do traditional photography and uh, cyanotype printing, but um, I cannot go to a large scale with those process. Yeah. So although I enjoy a lot to go to the photo lab, I have a photo lab and uh, I, I like to go there and be in the dark for one day just working and processing negatives and everything, I do it mostly for myself. Although I want and I have the will to get a way to put that in my work, although at the moment I haven't found the right way to use it. So I do it for myself as a therapeutic moment for myself. And then I have collaborators, partners that I found. Uh, sometimes when I'm changing the material or the printing type, I have to find a new printer that can do what I am aiming to achieve. And it's always a research kind of thing. Also, I have to control my costs, so I am also have to pay attention to the to the costs of the material, longevity, everything. Can we talk about the lightbox printing in particular? Because for anybody that's ever done digital art, 
you know that when you print it, it just never looks as good as it did on the screen. So these light boxes is really an awesome idea because you're able to have a print that looks just like it did on your screen. So do you use a local printer that does those light boxes or did you find them online somewhere? The light boxes, there are a couple of artists that use and exhibit it with light boxes. Usually in art fairs, there's always uh, one or two artworks that use light. Most of the times neons, but I also have seen light boxes. It was not an idea that I invented. Right, no. I saw it and, and I thought, okay, this can work just because of what you said, Louis. It's like putting the screen into the artwork. But uh, the companies that I found that produced the light box and the print and everything, the price was impossible to work with them. At least for me, as my price range and my market, it was out of the question. So what I did was I had to understand how can I do it myself because it's not some complicated thing. It's a box with a light. So right. I have a partner that always does my frames for all the artworks. So I talked with him and I said, okay, I need a large frame because it has to have a lot of space so the light can spread. He got me a couple of examples. We did some tests and we did some tests with LED lights. I tried different materials. I printed in glass. I printed in paper and with acrylic. I printed directly in the acrylic. Then I found the solution that worked. I have no problem saying what it was. It's uh, an acrylic that it's white. It's called plexiglass. And as the acrylic it's white uh, already, it's not translucent. It's not like a glass. Some light passes out, but it's not transparent. So mm -hmm. it only brings out the parts of the image. If the image is all black, it almost will not do anything. The light will not affect the image. So uh, the artwork it has to be adapted to that. It has to be an artwork that combines blacks and whites, that has a lot of textures that can go more visible when the light is on because it will bring out the whites. It's always a matter of research and testing. Yeah, that sounds like you did put a lot of research in. So you said that the companies that you researched that do the light box type printing where they were very expensive. About how much were they going to charge to do a print like that? Okay, I don't want to say a thing that is wrong, but I think the most expensive one was charging 2,000 euros for a 80-80. 80 centimeters? Yes. You'd have to charge at least yeah. 4,000 for it to be worth it. In reality, you have to charge at least six or 8,000 because if you put the commission for the gallery and then you put oh, yeah. the hours of work, more anything that you have to spend to exhibit or anything, it had to be a, an incredible price. And then I found uh, cheaper companies, but in the end, I was able to cut the costs to less than a half. Okay, that's really yeah. good because that's pretty expensive. So... How big is 80 centimeters, Joe? I'm terrible with math because $2,000 or euros, which is even more, seems like a lot. Do you know what the conversion is? Because I'm just trying to picture how big that is. I don't know, like 30 inches? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's 31. I just did it on my phone. Okay. Yeah, so you're talking a little bit less than three feet by three feet and you're almost around $2,000. Yeah, it was very expensive. Of course, they had the experience of doing it. Uh, it was a company that provided a lot of other services in printing. And I understand why, because this has a, a lot of different elements that are not usually inserted in a frame or in an artwork. You have to have the light, then you have to have the electric system. 
myself, I, I'm a person when I need to achieve something, I put myself to learn how to do it. And that's what I did. I tried and failed and tried and failed. And I always thought once I saw the first one with light, although it was not working perfect, I saw it and I said, okay, this will work. When it's finished, it will work. And I put myself to achieve that. At the moment, the works, are, they have even a button that you can switch on and off so you don't have every time to be working with a cable. So the cable, it's on and you have an on and off button to the work. Do the people that buy them generally just leave them off and just turn them on maybe if they're having a house party and they want to show them yes, off? Yes, that's uh, what I believe happens. Uh, for example, when I created this series of works, this is a large series, they are uh, 40 pieces from this collection called Secret Garden. And when I was creating it, I created the first uh, two or three and then I was challenged by my agent here in Portugal to create a, a large collection. And my number one concern was the works must function, must work with the lights off. Because it was somehow easy to get some images that work very well with light on. But when you turn it off, it was a mediocre work. And my main concern was every work has to go perfect in both ways. Because my idea, I have one of those paintings in my home. And it's always turned off. We turn on when you want to show in a dinner party. You turn on when you right. want to use it as a, a presence light because it creates a nice mood. But most of the days it's off. And I think if you have an artwork on your wall, you will look at it almost every day. Sometimes just a glance, sometimes you are contemplating it. So you have to have a work that's there every day and it has to be on its best. The light, it's only a, a fraction. It's a variation of the work. I don't like people to see it as the main thing. Oh, the work is wonderful because it has a light. The work, uh, I hope people see it as work is wonderful and hope. Oh, it has a light. Yeah, you don't want the light to be the biggest yes, part of it. You want yes. them to enjoy the art. Yes. <laughs> it's funny, like, you think of how far art has come. The fact that you could turn your art on and off. I mean, I guess in theory, you could put lights that change colors inside of it, and you could control it from your phone if you want. You know, like, there's so many places you can go in the future with that. Yes, I've tested a couple of things. Once you start trying, it's like painting or anything else. You, you start trying something and... You always have to try something else from there. I tried a couple of things. Probably all of the options you mentioned can work somehow in some work, in some art. But um, I cannot just put a light and hope it will work. It has a process of its own. But yeah, I believe in time everything can be possible. Even with the alternative the other day I saw a new thing they have, it's like a, an hologram. It generates an hologram through light. And I thought this can be used to create an artwork because once you have a work, an image that will be nice enough, it has the emotion and the impact and it's a, an hologram, it's like a digital sculpture. Yeah. Right. I think time will always present new material, new concepts, new mediums and digital it's probably just in the beginning. Yeah, definitely. It's just got so many places it can go. I saw a video and these guys, it was like a tour of this couple's house and they had a huge flat screen TV that was mounted to their wall because a lot of people put them on the wall. And they actually used their TV when they weren't watching it. They had art displayed on it. 
which is another option, I guess, for digital artists. You could maybe license your work in that type of way so people could have it. When they're not watching their TV, they could have it as a piece of art in their house, which is kind of a strange thing to think yes. about. Yes. The other day I uh, saw a company, someone sent me a, an email or something with a, a link to a company that... Um, Basically, they provide that service. They hire artists, they uh, rent their artwork uh, for a price, uh, and the artwork is showed, for example, in companies, in hotels, and usually large buildings. Instead of painting, they have a, a large screen, and they have a, a, an art piece there. And from time to time, they, they can change the artwork. I have mixed feelings about that, to be honest. I understand. Uh, it's like, yeah, you can change. It's easy. But at the same time, it's a bit of um, disposal. Yeah. You don't have actually the artwork. It's almost like you're having a, an image in your computer that you use as your background. Right. Yeah. It's complicated. Uh, I have mixed feelings about it. Maybe in time uh, I will accept it as a way to work, but uh, it's difficult. Uh, I don't see it as uh, much as fine art. It's like a background wall for your screen, but it's in a large TV. Right. It's like streaming music on Spotify instead of buying the record. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Even worse, maybe I think it's like, uh, you remember when you had stream, but for movies that had a very low quality, you are looking at the, the, the movie, but the movie is terrible in quality and sound. I think it's a bit like that. Although the artwork has the definition of the, these screens, it's not there for you to see because even my work being digital and being a print, you can appreciate it in the print. You are able to see, wow, this is large and has so many details here and here it looks like painting. And although it's all digital, you have to be there. If you put it there in, in a large screen, I think people will not uh, pay the same attention. I think you're probably right. So Joe and I both work on digital work. Joe, you use mostly Procreate? Or what program do you use mainly, you think? Procreate, Photoshop is probably the top two. And I use almost only Procreate just because it's easy. What programs do you like to use when you're doing your digital work? I use Photoshop only. Yeah. I do everything in Photoshop. Maybe because uh, in that department uh, I become a bit lazy and uh, I never uh, forced myself to go to new software, new products that's, uh, that are available on the market. And I've been using Photoshop for 15 years since I was in college. So I never took that step to go to learn, to stop and learn, spend one or two weeks to learn a new software. Even the other day, I recently started uh, my podcast and for video, what I did was using the same software that I was using when I was in college. I'm also using from Adobe Premiere and I know it's not perfect and I know it's, there are a lot of other options in the market right now, but it was just something familiar for myself and uh, I went with that. And that's the reason I, I use Photoshop. Although uh, in Photoshop then I, I, I go with uh, different tools. I have a drawing table. My mouse is uh, a bit different from the usual. It's uh, a vertical mouse because I was having problems in my hand. I was getting, in the end of the day, I was getting pain and I got uh, a mouse that is vertical. It's more aerodynamic for the arm. Sometimes I draw just with a mouse. I can draw with a mouse. But because what I draw in Photoshop usually is not the lines of the characters. or It's more like creating textures, creating elements that can be disruptive, like grunge elements, uh, the painting. 
So it's not something very detailed. For details, usually I go with photography. I don't need a, a lot of pro... Sorry, software use, it's pro... Yeah, Procreate. Procreate, yes. Uh, that is more for drawing, like, lines and, and things, correct? Yeah, it's more of a digital yeah, painting yeah, yeah. software. Yeah, it's okay, but for what you're doing, because you're doing more fine art and you're printing them very large, Procreate is not a great program because it's very limiting for how many layers you can have oh. if you do something large. I mentioned it in, in the beginning. My work is mostly composed by layers. I work by having layers sometimes the first layers i started the work are not visible in the final work although they are there if i remove them the color shade will be different but i'm always putting on top and on top and uh, i reach the end and my original file has like 50 or 60 layers so i have to work with a software that can support that so can we talk a little bit about the textures you use yeah it's a good question do you make them yourself physically I do everything. What I mean is sometimes I use brushes that I have, that I bought from uh, Adobe, that I some are freeware. I use textures from photographies that I take uh, here and there, and then I go and zoom in just in a wall and use the, the texture from that wall. Sometimes I buy stock photos, I paint with the digital table, so it's a combination of everything and it's very experimental. For example, I'm working and I think, okay, I, this is needing more of a wall texture and I go through my inventory, everything I have, I have a catalog for all my photos and everything and I start experimenting sometimes i can use a photo from my vacations that is just giving the motion in the image is not actually the figurative part of the artwork it's just a, a texture i go through everything to get that even sometimes i, I did this and uh, sometimes i like usually only i know and only i can see it sometimes i go get a texture from another painting from someone else it could be you <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good that's cool i think that that was a really good question because one of my biggest gripes with digital art is that most i don't know if it's most but a lot of digital artists they kind of ignore texture right and so they focus on line and color if you don't use different brushes and lots of layers it's easy to have a piece that it just seems like it's missing something when it doesn't have all that texture to it. Yeah. If you're a digital artist out there and you're having trouble figuring out how to do texture digitally, definitely check out Diogo's work because he's kind of mastered using the digital medium and having beautiful textures. That's what makes it look like it's a real, it is a real painting, but you know, like a physical traditional painting. Right. It looks like it actually has depth. Like you could touch it and it feels like that. Thank you very much. For the kind words. I kind of agree, I, I, although I think it's um, every artist has to discover what he wants and how he wants to, to work and what he wants to create. Because you also have a lot of painters nowadays that are going with that clean, clean painting that has no brush texture. It's almost like digital, but it's painted. I know a wonderful artist that does that. By the way, I'm going to say her name because I, I like her very much. It's Duma. It's a Portuguese artist. And uh, she has a very, very clean painting style. At the first glance, you say it's digital and then it's not. 
what you want to do it to how you want to create how you want your process because i think the, the techniques that you use also has a lot of to do with the, the process that you are looking to have if you want to have a more quick result a more quick process you can't use oil because oil needs time to dry Every artist has to discover how to work with elements that are pleasing for him or her. But it's true that digital, mostly the illustration part, many artists forget about the texture. They go to that clean, light treatment of the color. Because traditional art, it has texture built into it. Paint has its own texture. The paper itself has a texture. With digital art, you're starting with a blank canvas that has no texture on it at all. And so if you're not adding it, yeah. then there's not going to be any. I wonder if 3D printing is ever going to be a thing for 2D art. I'm sure. You know, so it's very... Yeah, I'm sure it will be. could be. Sometimes uh, it might not be like a new medium, but I'm sure any artist or and one artist will do something with it. Because you have a banana in a wall and it's artwork, so everything it's possible and uh, these new medias for example there are a lot of new tools to cutting wood that goes with the, the 3d i think all of these right. are in direction to create a, a new structure for a new medium i mentioned before and i truly believe that the digital sculpture will be a thing in time, with the 3D printers, with the holographs and everything, I'm sure it will appear artists that are creating art with the digital sculpture in 3D. Yeah, It's cool because a lot of people, they don't jump on board with things. It takes them a long time. Even Picasso, when he first started, people didn't think his work was real art because it was so different from what they were used to seeing. And like you mentioned earlier, photography wasn't really deemed as real art at first. And so digital work is taking time. You know eventually everybody is going to be on board with it and it's going to be just as legitimate as any other form. And now, like you said, some galleries are already having no problem showing digital work, but not all of them are. Some still are hesitant. It's just a matter of time. I know I'm fully on board with digital art. I love digital art. There's definitely people that need to not need to, they can do whatever they want, but I think that they're not using the medium in a cool way, but there's lots of digital artists that are doing such amazing things with the medium, and the potential is unlimited, right? Because painting and drawing with pen and ink, there's kind of limits to what you can do, but I feel like with digital, there's no limits. Yeah. You know, who knows where it could go in the future? The biggest problem I've been seeing, I think, is with the general public almost talking digital down. When they find out that you did this work digitally, it's almost as if they think the computer did yeah. it. You didn't do it. <laughs> that is true because there are many reasons for that. Uh, sometimes I, I, I spend some time thinking about those questions. For example, not even fine art, visual uh, work, even for simple design tasks. As you have now the filters and everything, people think like, okay, uh, uh, manipulating a photo, uh, correcting color, it's very easy. Do this quickly. When I was working in design, uh, I had some clients like, uh, it's not just the change the sweatshirt color. It's like, put me in a suit and the, the guy is in uh, shorts and, and t-shirt. And he asked me, I have this photo of myself, put me in a suit. 
it's not how the Photoshop and manipulation works. It can be done, but to be done correctly, it requires taking new photos, taking everything. And if done bad, it's not going to look natural. But people sometimes have those ideas. I've heard and I had clients and people in galleries telling me, oh, but it's digital if it was painted. My answer is very simple. It's digital. If it was painted, it was different. Probably it was very different or at least somehow different because there are pros and cons in a print and the same goes to a painting. It is what it is. I decided a few years ago, I decided to say, okay, I am a digital artist. I'm assuming this as my medium. Before, sometimes I had that idea in my mind, like it's not a, an original, it's not painted. And what I was doing was everything I did in computer when I printed, I had to paint it over. Like this one, it's the, the original, it's painted. But sometimes the painting that I was uh, putting in the end, it was like doing nothing to the artwork itself. It's like the light, it cannot be the main focus of the piece, be the light or be the painting that I had in the, in the end. The idea is the work itself, it's here and it's printed. I have a collection of works I released in the beginning of this year. There are nine pieces that use gold leaf and gold leaf is applied by hand. Mm -hmm. The gold leaf is there because it made sense to the concept and to the visual of that collection. And it's there applied by hand because there's no valid way, or I, at least I didn't find one, to apply it in a printing system. Because if I had the option to go with a printing system that printed gold, probably I would go with that. I would uh, control more precisely everything that was going to be done than doing it by hand. I don't think doing it by hand, it's like... Oh, it's very valuable because it was done by hand. It, it has value because it's uh, beautiful or it's emotive and it's unique. For example, obviously, if you have one image, one artwork that is reproduced a hundred times, it has less value than uh, one that is original, one of one. But besides that, I don't think the medium should be that important. I agree too. So I have one last question and I don't know if Joe has an, another one after, but my last question is about the combination you do because you do use a lot of photography. That's your own photography in your work. When you do use your photography, do you generally have that as the base where you're starting from and then work from there over it with painting? Or do you start painting and then add the photographs in later? How do you normally work? What's the order that you go? I don't always take the photos myself. Sometimes they are photos that I buy, the licenses. Sometimes they are photos from photographers that I know and I request them. And sometimes when I need and when I have an idea that I, that I can shoot myself, I do it myself. But usually, yes, I start with the photography with the figurative, the main character, and then I create uh, around it. But it's not always the same process. Because it's happened to me sometimes to be working, for example, I'm working in a woman face and I am adding texture and adding painting and doing some drawings on top of it. And then uh, it's not working, but in the meantime, I started to see a different thing there. And then I go back looking for, uh, for example, a male face that in the middle of the process, I thought, okay, this is not working with the woman face. I want a, a man face and I will go. It's always a, a process of heading. Right. Usually the woman head, for example, and 
keeping with this example, I don't delete it. I let it be in the end, in the, the place that it was before, because sometimes it's, uh, I'm using its color to enhance the dark parts of the man face, or I'm just using its color to colorize the background. As I said, I tend to have images on top of images but usually I start with the with the figurative and uh, most of the times uh, human related figures although it's digital I think my work the theme and concept of my art it's very human it's based on human emotions and human stories so I, I usually start with that that's awesome cool I'm glad that you walked us through that because I was curious about how you built up the layers and where you started did you have any other questions you yeah, had, I had Joe? one last one what would be a dream project for a you. dream project something you've maybe been thinking about for a long time it's but... a bit difficult to a dream project let me think i've done a couple of things in the past that i would like to do now like working with uh, bands music uh, artists i plan but that it's a, a dream that i'm working to achieve in the near future i plan to do a couple of international art fairs to go uh, and get uh, international representation. I had a couple of things planned for this year before the pandemic that were put on hold. And that is one goal that I want to achieve. Usually uh, in the recent years, I started to look at things at more of goals and not as much as dreams. Because mm -hmm. if I was to say a dream, I, I know I, I will say something very, very big. It's not my goal to, to go to MoMA. My goal for the next years is to go to get more international representation. I'm already represented in Portugal, uh, France and uh, Germany and uh, I want to, to expand a little bit on that. I want to do some art fairs, uh, good art fairs here in Europe. Probably uh, get some representations and exhibitions in, in America. It's a, a very big dream but uh, usually I go one step at a time and one goal at a time and for now the near goals are, are those internationalize and some exhibitions and art fairs so no specific artwork dreams like dream projects that you create for yourself sincerely no because I usually my work it's very from myself it's like I don't have a plan to go to that theme in the future I have a, a lot of uh, appointments drawings uh, small things that I, I wrote that I want to try some are more related to material and uh, production some are more conceptual but uh, I start working like uh, painting in a white canvas. I start going and heading and, uh, and then when I achieve a result or two, for example, these recent artworks that I've been working, they are already uh, quite a, a few, I can call it a series. It was not planned. It's something that I did one, I liked, and then I did another and another in the same style and then I thought okay there's something here and I go developing it and going into it and sometimes I don't even know the meaning when I'm starting it usually I start to understand what it means how can relate to what I am feeling and stuff like that but uh, so I don't have a, a dream project like doing a specific artwork or something it's not my in my nature to go there it's very 
personal. If I'm sad, I probably will work with dark tones and blues. It's a, a personal process that becomes public in the meantime. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. I know you did say too, when Joe first asked about working with musicians, I definitely could see, because your work is so emotive and carries so much emotion and feeling, I could definitely see your work on the cover of musicians' albums. I think that would be a cool project I could see you doing. We'll put your information in the show notes, but you know, not everyone looks at those. So how can people find your work online? So online, my, my base, it's my, my website. It's uh, diogolando.com. From there, you can find my Facebook, my Instagram, see my artwork, see my contacts, everything. And then you have my, my Instagram account. That is uh, the social media that I use the most at the time. It's Diogolando. Diogolando, it's D-I-O-G-O-L-A-N-D-O. And through my website and through Instagram, it's the, the best way to find my work. I always uh, try my best to reply to any messages or any emails, to any comments, uh, anything people want to say, good or bad, I can take it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think you'll get any bad messages. <laughs> well, that's all for me. Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you for chatting with us. And it's, it's been great. It's been really awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Did you have anything else you wanted to add or plug at the end here? We could be here another hour if you want. But, Easily. Uh, it was a pleasure. I uh, was already a, a big fan of Louis' work. I saw Joe work too. It's uh, more illustration work. Uh, to be honest, I, I just saw it today. I was supposed and I had planned to, to prepare myself for the podcast. But uh, in the meantime, I was very busy. And only today I have to stop to go listen and to go see. But I liked what I saw. And thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thank you. We'll have to do this again. Yeah, definitely. And thank you all for listening. Joe and I do have, for listeners, we offer a promo code, which is thumbnail, and you get 25% off in our Etsy shops. And if they have any questions or comments, where can they send those to, Joe? Okay, send them to thumbnailpodcast at gmail.com. Right, take care. Take care. Perfect. All right. Have a great day, guys. Bye.